We're happy to have this episode sponsored by Real Mushrooms. You probably already know about some of the great benefits of adding mushrooms to your diet, like better sleep, greater mental clarity, and a stronger immune system, but not all mushroom products are equal. Real Mushrooms is the real deal. Many mushroom companies harvest the mushroom and the grain it's growing on. Real Mushrooms products contain no grains or starch fillers. They're organic, cultivated naturally, and third-party verified for beta-glucans, the compound that makes them so valuable as a supplement. They even have a science and medical team of doctors who ensure that Real Mushrooms meets the highest standards. What I personally love is how informative their website is. Have questions about what mushroom is right for you? They have a robust blog with articles ranging from women's health to what mushrooms are most beneficial to your pet. Want to boost your immune system? Have better sleep and feel more calm? Grab the link in the show notes and get 25% off of your first order. Curiously enough, acupuncture is not just sticking needles into people. It's part of a coherent and observation-based medicine that experienced practitioners of the art have handed down over the centuries. I'm Michael Max, your host and guide of Everyday Acupuncture. Listen in as we explore how you can apply the principles of this ancient medicine in your everyday life. Hi, it's Michael Max again here at the American Academy of Medical Acupuncturists. And uh, it's just been a fantastic day here. It's rainy outside, but it's warm, and the people here that are studying medical acupuncture are just amazing. I'm really happy to have one of those people with me at the moment. Her name is Rose Christofferson. Rose is a retired anesthesiologist. She's from Portland, Oregon, and she has used acupuncture in hospital contexts. She's used acupuncture with cancer patients, uh, people with, with all kinds of muscular skeletal stuff. We'll, we'll get into all of it. Rose. Hi. It's good. To, <laughs> I was going to say, it's nice to have you here, but we've been kind of hanging out a bit. So. We have been hanging out for the last couple, especially in the evenings when we have time to talk. Well, That's we, right. Yeah. Also, this, we've been in some lectures together. Yeah. That's right. And, and now we just put some microphones on us. Yep. <laughs> Cool. So I want to begin. Uh, this afternoon we were talking about neuropathy, and you were saying that that you've had some pretty good success with treating neuropathy. Sometimes this is a, a troublesome thing to work with. Yes. As a matter of fact, when I was right out of a, a acupuncture school and I had first gotten my credentials at the VA hospital, in addition to treating patients for various perioperative problems that they had. I also treated staff, and there were two other anesthesiologists who were also acupuncturists. So the three of us all, if somebody had a sore neck or a headache, we wanted them to feel good so they could take good care of their patients, and we would treat the staff. It's so good for the doctors to be healthy. <laughs> yes, it is really good. <laughs> and the nurses. And uh, one day, one of my uh, surgeon friends uh, brought a patient in a wheelchair, and uh, of course, the nurses in the post-operative care unit were very friendly and very nice to us 
all because they had often been our patients at one time or another with their back pain or whatever. And um, so they quickly got a gurney in a nice little curtained off area and the surgeon helped the patient get up on the gurney and said this is a person who works here and she has pain in her legs and trouble walking. And I got the history. I think she had chemotherapy from breast cancer, but I'm not sure. Anyway, it was cancer chemotherapy. Which is a common, common uh, secondary side effect. It is, and it's just devastating. It is horribly painful. And any, I'm afraid I must say, any oncologist will tell you there is no treatment for it. It's really unfortunate, and that's one of the reasons I'm very happy to talk to you about this patient. I didn't know any of that, and I was right out of school, and so we had her up on the uh, uh, gurney, and I talked to her and checked her pulse, and I would bet money, I don't remember exactly, but her kidney was probably weak, and I probably put in a kidney three-point to give her a little extra inner energy to help the treatment along, and then I don't remember exactly where in her legs... um, the problem was, but I would have put, I did put a needle in her ear to um, direct the energy towards the legs and the lower extremities. The ears and are amazing for that. They're fantastic. You can really use it to guide where you want the energy yes. to go. Yeah. And probably I may have put another needle in to uh, strengthen her kidney a little bit. Then I paid attention to her legs and found out exactly where it hurt the most. Now, because of the every part of our body is in some acupuncture meridian or other, one can easily say what meridian it's in, and I don't remember now what it was, but whichever one it but was. But it was the, the affected meridian. It was the affected meridian, That's exactly. Right. And then I put in the strong points for moving energy in that meridian in a very simple acupuncture 101 way, um, probably three needles, uh, on the um, the yin, the female side, which is the front of the body, and probably two needles on the yang, the male side, which is the back of the body. So you treated the, the coupled pair of meridians. Yes, I did, yeah. So you took the, the, the meridian that was having the problem, mm-hmm. worked on it, and then worked on its counterpart. Worked on its mate, because okay. I didn't know anything else to do, and I was just well, a junior It's always kid. better when, we, when we're working with our mates, right? <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, I don't remember if I used an electric stimulator or not, but I've done cases similar to this and not used one. They're talking a lot about using them here, so I think either way probably gives the patient benefit. I'm guessing you, you, if you were new and just getting started with it, you probably didn't have an electrical stimulator with you. Oh, yes, they provided them to oh, us. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, okay. This is right. the Veterans Administration, and, oh, you right. know, and we got, bought them from the course that I took. So okay. I, I had it. I, I just don't remember. Yeah. I have a feeling I probably did use the electrical stimulator because I use it more early yeah. on. In any case, I probably left the needles in and the treatment on for about 20 minutes and then took everything out, and she jumped up joyfully 
and wanted to walk back to her office. And I was horrified. I thought, this can't happen to you in 20 minutes. You came in a wheelchair. So I demanded that she ride the wheelchair back to her office. And um, to make a long story short, years later, I happened to run into her husband because of I had gotten tangled up in some VA paperwork thing. And he came bounding over to me, telling me that she had gone to work essentially shuffling and had come home with a normal pace and normal yes. stride. And so then she got more treatments elsewhere. But anyway, that's I just w- wanted to tell you about that because, oh, I will tell you about a uh, fight that then occurred, you know, years later, mm-hmm. uh, because the pa- I said to the doctor in charge of the pain clinic, well, I'll treat people with neuropathy. I'll, I'll treat yeah, the people I with the... I can treat this stuff. Yeah. And the boss said, the boss who's, uh, is, uh, well, anyway... The boss said, that's impossible. You can't treat neuropathy. There's no cure for neuropathy. So she vetoed it. And then we got um, one of our local uh, brilliant acupuncturists, Dr. Hong, came in and did a um, a PowerPoint presentation. And there have been two uh, studies of, you know, just case series, maybe 60 patients, something like that, both showing good effects from this. But it really caused a big stir at the VA when I offered to do it for patients. Well, you know that old Chinese saying, right? The person who says it's impossible should get out of the way of the person who's doing it. (laughs) That's a very good saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is one of the really curious things about acupuncture. I think both from the perspective of a patient, because... You know, it seems like magic when things work like that. You know, and from the point of view of a practitioner, especially those of us in the West, right? We've got a Western mindset. Even if you don't go to medical school, you've got a Western mindset. You, we can't get out of it. We grew up in it. And so certain things seem impossible from that perspective. But as you discovered it, you know, in this treatment, you feel the pulse. This is weak. Yeah. You do something to boost it. You go to the ear to guide it. You find the place that's got the problem. You get the paired meridians working together. And well, all of a sudden, you've coordinated the body's own resources. And they are vast. I mean, it was just terrifying when this woman got up and wanted to walk back to her office. I had a woman get off my table uh, not too long ago. Came in with some sciatica, bad sciatica, right? And, you know, real stitch in her hip. And uh, very skeptical. I love the skeptics, right? Because it's like, am I making this up? <laughs> they're, they're not going to do that. They're, they're going to tell you what's going on. But I treated her. She got off the table. And, and her eyes get really wide, right? You've seen it. I've seen it. And she goes, it's not possible that my pain could be gone, is it? <laughs> and, I mean, I'm always curious about a person's experience, Right. Yeah. So I just asked her, well, judge by the results, what are you experiencing now? Where's your pain? And she goes, it's not there. That's not possible, is it? (laughs) So it's, I mean, I think this really demonstrates in some ways that we have these ideas of what's possible and what's not possible. And when we have an experience of what we think is impossible and yet we're having the experience, it can be a little discombobulating. Yes, it can. 
and it can be for the patient, and it can be for the doctor, the acupuncturist. Holy smokes, this stuff really did it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that um, you use acupuncture pre- and post-operative. Yes. Of course, with veterans, we have post-traumatic stress disorder, and uh, they have a tendency to have bad experiences sometimes, waking up from anesthesia. Also, there's a um, post-operative delirium syndrome that can occur up to a couple of months after surgery that really correlates highly with people ending up in nursing homes and maybe being dead within a year. And we don't really know what causes it, but we know that elderly people, people who are having big surgeries like hip transplants and so forth, we know who's at risk for it. Mm -hmm. And so I had a nurse anesthetist friend who would identify these people. And then I would use a little protocol that I learned um, from a, a paper in medical acupuncture that some doctors up in Seattle had used for children with uh, bone cancer. And it's a very simple protocol. It is, um, and oh, and I would, so what we would do is I would get the patient's consent and put one needle in the top of the head at Governor Vessel 20 mm-hmm. to um, make them feel happy and relaxed. We'd get in the operating room. I'd take that needle out because it doesn't, it's not good for the anesthetist who has to have be close to the patient in order to manage the airway. And we would put the patient to sleep, and then the anesthetist would take care of the patient. The, you know, as long as nothing, if something was going on, obviously I wasn't going to be doing this. But I would quickly, uh, you know, if, if, if she needed help and I, the patient needed me to, you know, whatever, help with the airway or whatever, then I wasn't doing it. But if everything was calm and sweet, I would put needles in um, liver three, Sometimes spleen six, but sometimes that got in the way of some of the things that the operating room required. And then I would use an alternative of spleen three, usually. Mm-hmm. Something on the spleen channel. Something on the spleen channel that was right. pretty strong for moving energy. And then the, the uh, recipe required uh, heart seven. And uh, every single patient woke up beautifully except one. And that patient had had a terrible traumatic experience in the military that involved people dying and she just woke up weeping and feeling bad. I don't know how she would have waked up if I hadn't done that sedation, basically, protocol for mm-hmm. her, but she was not very, you know, it was rough for her. Yeah, yeah. But one of the things that happened in the midst of all this is the eye surgeons just fell in love with this protocol. Now, we were just doing sedation on their patients, but they would even come and get me sometimes when I wasn't working in their room if they thought that they had a patient that was going to be nervous and twitchy and wouldn't lie still for their eye surgery. And I would go put those needles in. Help them to calm down. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, in the time that I've been here these past couple of days, I have heard so many doctors here describe their work as being fun. I'm using this acupuncture. I'm helping people. I'm getting to live a lifestyle that I want to live and do the kind of work I want to do. And I am having so much fun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I I mean, medicine is stressful work and especially for UMDs working in hospitals, operating rooms, that kind of thing. I mean, I can't imagine the stress. I just have a quiet little acupuncture clinic, you know, in in a sleepy little part of town. So hearing how this helps not only the patients, but the staff, 
it must have been wonderful having other doctors come and say, hey, could you come and, oh, yes. and, and help us out? Because um, to me, what that says is we're seeing some effects here. We're seeing results. That's absolutely true. Nobody was telling them to do that. I wasn't looking around for more extra work to do. But I enjoyed doing it. When they wanted me to do it, I was always happy to do it. Yeah. What other kinds of situations have you used acupuncture in the hospital setting? Oh, we use it for post-operative nausea. There's a, uh, there's a physician uh, called pericardium 6, which is many people are familiar with this because it's also used when people get seasick on boats. Right. They put those little bands on. Yes. Basically, after the patient wakes up and they're nauseated, we use that. And then I use a position that pulls energy down on the stomach channel, stomach mm. 36. I liked that one along with yeah, it. Yeah. That's a sweet combination. Um, yeah. Um, didn't use it very much for post-operative pain, uh, just because the patients have these big bulky dressings on. It's logical to use it. Anyway, you have to put the needles so far from the, from the surgical site, so it's a little bit impractical. Have you used any of this battlefield acupuncture? Oh, yes. I love that stuff. Tell us a little bit about it. I just discovered it here yesterday. Okay, I will tell you about learning for it from Joe Helm's course, where Dr. Nemsoff was one of the teachers, and we all got pretty smart pretty fast about when somebody had a problem, raising their hands and uh, saying, I, I have a problem, and then you'd get treated by the professor, you know, probably one of the best people on the planet at Excellent. doing whatever this was. So when Nemsoff was showing his, his needles, I had had chronic neck pain about a two to three out of 10. And previously, it had been much worse, but my friend had worked on me over at the VA and had gotten it a lot better, but still, it was there all the time. Mm -hmm. So I raised my hand, and I went up on the stage in front of about 100 young doctors, some old, I guess, and um, he uh, talked to me and put a needle in and had me walk tw 10 steps away and 10 steps back to him and said, asked me what my pain level was, and... I know I had a very strange look on my face, sort of like what you described earlier with the w woman with the pain problem, because it wasn't zero, but it was definitely less, and all I'd done is walk 20 steps. Yeah. And so I told him it was, I don't know, one or whatever it was. And then um, he put another needle in, and I walked across and back again, and it was zero, and I was just amazed. Then the next day, it was, I still had no pain, and they would always ask, you know, about your treatment, get some follow-up the next day. And I had to admit to them that I had one ver uh, vertebra in my neck that had always been off to the side, and now it was back straight up and down. So was, this was something you could actually This palpate. was physically in a different place after the pain was relieved and probably the spasms or whatever stopped happening. Your bone chiropractic adjustment. <laughs> um, I think I like it better than that. <laughs> yeah, that's, it was amazing. That's, that, yeah, that, yeah, that really sounds amazing. So this was just this, I mean, it's a, what, yes. a five-needle protocol, right? Well, no, but he only used, he, he used two needles on me. I've often only used one needle. Um, there's a one spot uh, right on the ear. The where, omega-2? Uh, or is it omega-7 or something? Anyway, whatever it is, you put a needle there for headache, Migraine headache works. It's excellent for that. I, I don't think I've ever had somebody not get rid of their headache when I put a needle there. So this is one needle in the ear. Yeah, but it's a painful needle and it stays in for a while. It's not quite as 
painless as other acupuncture right. needles. Right. They look kind of I've I've seen them. They yeah. they look like uh they don't look like staples, but they're 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 they're, they're kind of fat boys. Well, they're they're only big because you have to have something to ha- to to hold on to. The part that stays in the ear is actually tiny. Mhm. And they stay in for roughly how long? It's variable. Some people can only keep it in for a day or two. It's a foreign body, so your own body pushes it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people can keep it in for as much as a week. Right. So, In your experience of, of doing acupuncture, what would you say to our listeners about the kinds of health issues that you've seen respond well, that if they've got that kind of a problem, they might want to consider seeking someone out for help? The first thing I would want to say is that if you're told that there is no cure for what you have by a Western medicine physician. And you are a Western medicine physician. Yes, and I'm a Western medicine. I I work with surgeons and anesthesiologists, very much a Western medicine physician before I retired. They, They tend to say... There's no cure if they don't know of a cure because they, they don't tend to think of other alternative therapies. So don't look around for an alternative therapy and think early of acupuncture. May or may not work. Ask somebody that you trust what their experience has been with the acupuncture. Get yourself to somebody who's recommended by somebody who's had some acupuncture. Then I would want to say specifically... If you have digestive problems, acupuncture is powerful for treating, oh, acid reflux, diarrhea, constipation. Um, it's actually quite good for people with, with uh, big diagnoses like Crohn's disease, but you do want to stay with your Western medicine care as well. But I've seen it work very effectively on those things. I always feel a little weird asking this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Just because our patients ask it all the time, how does acupuncture work? From your, from your perspective, and feel free to answer from your Chinese brain or your Western brain or your integration, whatever. Okay. It, we have a life energy in us, and this is something that, unfortunately, Western medicine doesn't recognize very well. Western medicine wants to look at us as chemistry and physics, and they, we are made out of chemistry and physics. This is a world of chemistry and physics. So all of those mechanisms they can find and actually are true, and you can find a lot of mechanisms for acupuncture. For instance, blood vessels dilate where an acupuncture needle has been. Uh, white blood cells come to that place and stay there for as much as a week after there's been an acupuncture needle. So we know a lot about mechanisms, and we can talk about mechanisms, but what that leaves out is the life energy, the life force, the thing that makes us and all the humans and dogs and cats and even trees different from rocks. We have a life force. It comes out of the earth. It comes out of the heavens. It mixes in our bodies. It's called chi. And it isn't just limited within our bodies. We, when we breathe in and breathe out, we're breathing some kind of energy in and out of our bodies. And, and if you don't think you are, try holding your breath. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> so, so there is something about this life force 
that the acupuncture kind of frees up. Now, where the acupuncture needle, where the acupuncture meridians are, and where you put your needles, tends to be places where there's a reduced um, resistance to electricity flow, and the what we call the chi energy, whatever this stuff is, tends to flow eat more easily where electricity flows. And of course, if you put a, a little steel needle, a little acupuncture needle into a spot where the energy is stuck, then that will facilitate the flow of that energy. That is about as much as I can say about it because it's, it's a mystery beyond words, but even though it is a mystery beyond words, that doesn't mean we can't stick needles into a person and help them become more well. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, it, um, I find it to be a bit of a mystery that way as well. I, I'm often reluctant to explain it in terms of chi, but the way that you've just described it, that there's this innate vitality, and there's actually a name for that in Chinese. I call it the zheng chi, mm, right? Good. Or the yuan chi. Yeah. That, that there's this innate vitality. And even though we don't, like you said, have a way of measuring it in Western medicine terms, you know it. Right. If you've ever been with a person who wasn't living, you, you've clearly seen the difference between those who, who have it and those who don't. And, and, and if you've seen someone who's ill and suffering, right, you'll, you'll see it in their eyes. Or if they're happy, you'll see it in their eyes. So it's, it's all around us in this amazing world. And thank you so much for, for sharing your experience with us here today on this. Oh, I've got one more thing I'd really love to share. Um, my husband... Died recently, but he had a long time of living and living with vascular disease. He had inadequate blood flow in his legs due to vascular disease in his legs. He had one or another stroke at one or another time, one or another heart attack at one or another time. And um, at one point, he he was in the hospital nursing facility and got discharged after this after a stroke pretty significant stroke and we, we got home and we had him he put on his we put on his shoes well his feet were a little bit swollen after the stroke so that turned out in retrospect to have been bad judgment on our part and he one heel developed an ulcer now these ulcers are called pressure ulcers and they're very hard to treat. They're very hard to get rid of. And so we had nurses coming into our house oh, two or three times a week, changing dressings, measuring the size of the thing, and so forth. And I had gone to acupuncture school, and so I was going to help with acupuncture. Now, there are two possible ways to do this. And I'm going to just tell you, because some of your people that listen are acupuncturists. One is tendinomuscular meridian. I did it twice. It did no good. And the other is simple, straightforward um, treatment with, with that treats the big blood vessels. And I was giving him frequent acupuncture for his stroke. And so in the process of doing that, if you picture kidney three, it's right next to the heel where this ulcer was. And then various other points that would come down and eventually maybe come to bladder 60 or something like that. Anyway, and then maybe I was treating some uh, points to get blood to go better to his brain. Whatever I was doing, it often involved those two points and other points in the foot. And the ulcer ultimately healed up 
uh, which is extremely unusual for these ulcers. Um, so unusual that the physician that was in charge of John's care said we should write it up. So I, I did write it up, and um, it hasn't been published, and that's why I wanted to mention it to you, because a pressure ulcer is really, it can result in an amputation. I mean, it can be a very, it's a very serious bad, issue. It is, and it's very hard to cure. Now, there are actually known mechanisms for this. Uh, in acupuncture, there is um, nitric oxide synthase is an enzyme that causes nitric oxide to appear in the bloodstream, which is a a dilator of blood vessels. And so every time I was putting needles in these various kidney meridians around where the heel ulcer didn't have adequate blood supply, I was actually dilating all those blood vessels. Vasodilating that that portion. And so improving blood flow. Improving blood flow. And that's what he needed. That's what it didn't have was adequate blood flow. And it, it healed up, which is very unusual for one of those things. That's great to know. So uh, you acupuncturists that are listening, take note. Yes. And uh, I suspect that other reoccurrent sores may also um, benefit from this kind of thing. You know, I think they would. And I think there are, for instance, there are a lot of sores, like bed sores on the sacrum, especially on people who have had a stroke or something and can't move around very well in bed. And I think... My advice, and this is just a guess, would be to go straight to treatments that involve just ordinary acupuncture, moving the energy right around the area of interest, and not to bother with the tendinomuscular just because it kind of closes things off. It's a protective uh, acupuncture as opposed to a vasodilating acupuncture. One that moves. You know, it, it's so often the case. We learn from what doesn't work. Yes. You, you try something, you look at the results. Yes. And, and, and then, you, then you try something different. Yes. And judge by those results as well. Right. And just don't give up. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you. you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Acupuncture. If so, please take a moment, click on the iTunes review button, and leave a review of the show. And be sure to tune in again next week. 